Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by Alex Nolan, AP2 with the Features Unit at ESPN. Alex talks about how she first became interested in storytelling, feeling a responsibility to inspire, and when she first fell in love with the camera. She also talks about the incredible pre-Super Bowl piece on referee Sarah Thomas and shares the process of making it happen. In addition, Alex gives invaluable advice on getting creative, attention to detail, and using what you get in producing. You guys are going to love this episode, so let's get to it. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. I have been so excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So uh, let's just jump right in. And I would love for you to just start by taking us a little bit through your professional journey. Yeah, sure. I mean, when you asked me to talk about that, looking back, it really feels like a roadmap, how everything has been connected since day one. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to Drexel for film and video. And at Drexel, we had a co-op program, which is where um, you could do an internship instead of going to class. And really, ever since that moment, it really opened my my uh, door to get into the industry. And I've worked really hard to keep that door open. Um, my first internship was with Channel 6, 6 ABC. I worked in the programming department. Um, and that was a mixture of a magazine show and also working on the live shows, like the Thanksgiving Day Parade okay. that maybe some people have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just so happened that I realized I really wanted to get back into sports, that somebody at Channel 6 knew somebody at Comcast Sportsnet at the time, now NBC Philadelphia. Um, so I went there for an internship once I graduated and then it really just took off, you know, once somebody at Comcast knew somebody at NFL films and then so on and so on. Um, so after Comcast, I went to NFL films for four years, worked on a variety of different things from a football life to hard knocks, which is on HBO. Um, and after a couple of years of that, um, cause I was seasonal, I realized I really wanted to get a full-time job instead of freelancing. Mm-hmm. So um, I went off to work at the Sixers and I worked with a team there uh, for two years as a video producer and editor doing a variety of different things with them. Um, And then what was great about that job is I was able to bring some experience prior to that. So I worked a lot on the live side as well. So I worked with the Eagles and the Phillies um, doing some camera operating work and social media and then um, also working in the TV truck as well doing the score bug that you'll see if you watch a Phillies game with the uh, innings. And then also um, as a camera utility, um, pulling cable for a camera operator. Um, And now I'm on ESPN. So really, I know it's a mouthful, but I really feel like I've been everywhere. I've worked so many different jobs, so many different places, and it's been great. When I was first out of college, I was working at Fox Sports and on Fox NFL Sunday, I would do the bottom Chiron, like, I don't know, T. Brady, 30 or 40, whatever. And I was always so nervous because I was like, if I do this wrong, this is, I mean, I was 
really, so I just, the score bug, when you talk about it, I get this, nothing ever went wrong. But when you say it, I'm like, that feeling of don't mess this up. I'm glad nothing went wrong because I'll be honest, uh, I think it was the second game that I did the score bug. Um, I forgot to switch the pitcher and uh, the pitch count was then wrong. And I thought I didn't notice it at first. Um, And then once the next batter came up, I realized, oh, crap, this is wrong and it's live and it's up there and everybody's seeing it. So I was like panicking. uh, And I'm like, what do I do? And then I hear the director on the headset, "Uh, score bug, can we... uh, fix that or take it down. I'm like, yes, yes, right away. So, you know, slide that off and then quickly fix it. And then it goes back on and hopefully hope nobody at home doesn't notice. Um, but it's definitely a different environment working in live TV, the adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. um, knowing that you're on 24 seven. Um, and with features, it's a little different. You know, there's definitely more time to create a vision, more creativity, more storytelling. Um, so definitely that's a side that appeals to me, but you know, live TV did teach me a lot of things that I can bring over to some other aspects of features, which has been great. And that experience, and it was obviously not a big deal and everything was, was fine, but that experience with, do you feel like it kind of maybe taught you a cheap lesson at the time that maybe something later didn't become a bigger issue? Yeah, I think it definitely made me realize to be more detail oriented, uh, really making sure that everything is correct um, and double checking and also not rushing. I mean, I probably wouldn't didn't have to rush uh, changing the pitcher on the score bug, but because I was trying to be 10 steps ahead of myself, mm-hmm. that's how that's why I messed up. So nowadays I try to, you know, be present in the moment, think about what I have to do now instead of getting ahead Um, Because typically that's when I lose focus and, you know, not thinking of what what needs to be done right now. But that goes back to, again, just the the personality of go, go, go and uh, being a go getter and, you know, wanting to make sure everything is getting done. So I want to talk a little bit about being a camera operator and then later a cinematographer. When did you discover really a love for that and a talent for that? Um, I find that amazing and fascinating because nobody wants me operating their camera during a game just because like that, you know, that would not be my, you know, my thing would be on Cody Bellinger the entire time. I'd be like, oh, is someone else playing? I'm sorry. So I just want to know how that first came about. Yeah. Funny enough, um, it actually happened when I was in grade school. Um, my dad was pretty, uh, nefty with the family camera that we had. It was an old Sony camcorder, uh, taped the tapes way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would always see him filming our family events and Christmases and things like that. And I don't know, I always said like, wow, it looks really cool. Like I want to, I think I want to try that. So it ended up being a hobby. Um, I would film some family stuff. And then after school, my friend and I, uh, her name was Amy and we had a new show called double a news for Amy and Alex. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> And we would interview, you know, my family, her family, people at the mall, um, people at like a local sporting game. And then um, I realized, wow, this is this is awesome. I mean, you get to meet people, you get to, you know, record things on a camera. It's great. Um, When I got to high school, kind of similar, I was known as the girl with a camera and I was kind of proud of that nickname. Mm -hmm. Uh, doing the same thing, filming people uh, in the hallways, kind of documenting, you know, my high school experience and my friends. Um, You're ahead of the reality TV trend. <laughs> I know, right? I, I honestly, I have all these tapes in my, uh, back in my parents' house. And I really, I'm like thinking one day I really should probably get them developed and see what's on there. <laughs> For sure. 
and and maybe on like a high school reunion we watch you know all these moments it could be kind of cool there could be something there it's a good idea i think so so for sure that's amazing (laughs) um and at that time you know when it comes time to figure out you know what do you want to go to school for um for colleges i actually thought i wanted to be a sports trainer um, because I played sports all my life. I'm, I'm a tomboy. So it made sense um, because I never considered my hobby, my passion, which is um, filmmaking, to be a career. I never saw women behind the scenes. I never saw them doing these kind of roles. I always saw males and also even watching a movie. You would never see female names in a movie credit. Um, but my dad actually said, no, I think you should really pursue this. You know, this really could be something. And I took his advice and um, here we are today. And it's been great to kind of take my love of being a camera operator till now, because now as you get older, professionally, you're able to kind of make your own style mm-hmm. or your own craft. Um, it's really interesting because you'll watch maybe a piece that I filmed compared to somebody else. We all have a different cinematic eye. Mm-hmm. So you can probably pick out like, OK, this person's style is like this. And maybe somebody else's style is like that. You know, everybody has a different viewpoint when you're looking through the lens. Um, so that's been fun for me just to kind of develop my own unique style and creativity with the camera. That's awesome. And I love that your dad really encouraged you to do that because now, you know, we talk a lot like representation matters. So now there's a girl who says, oh, but Alex Nolan does that. So I can do that. And that's, you know, that's an incredible place to be. Yeah. Um, I go back to my high school from time to time to give talks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first slide that I always use in the PowerPoint presentation is a picture of me at, in high school with a, with the camera in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And then I show them a picture of, of today, you know, when I worked at the Eagles with a camera. Mm-hmm. And usually everyone's mouth drops because I had this little tiny camera with a little tape in it uh, in my um, Catholic school uniform. And now at the Eagles, you know, I have this giant camera on my shoulder uh, and it's a big It's a big difference. And I think visuals, I think when girls see that, it's pretty cool. So your cinematic eye, is that where you also discovered your love of storytelling? Though it does sound honestly like it started early with AA News because you guys were telling stories. But how has that kind of developed over time? How has your style changed over time? And how have, this is like three questions in one. So if I need to repeat any of them, feel free to let me know. But how has, you know, each of the positions you've held made you a better producer today? Ooh. Well, I think going back to the positions, I think what I've really taken away from is I've seen so many different perspectives and viewpoints on what works on which platform Mm -hmm. that I think has been really beneficial. Um, And even just seeing how, okay, in live TV, it's this kind of pace and features. It's this type of emotion. Um, so just now seeing how everything works in different ways, I've been able to kind of take like a sprinkling of this sprinkling of that and kind of make my own style when it comes to storytelling. Um, storytelling for me, I think my favorite part is the human emotion and the connection. Um, it's really important, I think, to make somebody feel something. And if you can get them to remember the piece, like there's a couple of videos that I remember down the road, like, you know, that that person as a producer really hit a chord for you. Um, and I think too, as it's kind of a responsibility to kind of inspire people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of take that responsibility seriously. You know, I want to inspire people. I want to instill hope. Um, you know, I go back to one of my favorite quotes, which is 
you know, tell me the facts and I'll learn, tell me the truth and I'll believe, but tell me a story and it'll live in my heart forever. And I, I think it's a great way to kind of sum it all up there. Um, but I, it's been, you know, pretty incredible to take all the different jobs and now come to where I am now, because when I approach a story, I see it from a camera perspective, like behind the lens. I see it now from an editor perspective, like which shots do I need when I go back into the post room? Um, I see it from a producer perspective, making human connections. How do you get somebody to be comfortable to give that right soundbite? How do you make them open up to you? Um, so it's really been, it's been great um, to kind of now get to the point where I can take everything that I've learned in the past and now apply it to where I am now. So you mentioned something about, you know, viewpoints and perspectives on different platforms and figuring mm -hmm. out you know, what works where you also have a little bit of a background in social media. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's something for all of us in this content business. Um, and for those of us, you know, in, in digital media, um, we're always trying to figure out what what's going to work here, what's going to work there. Can you give a little bit of maybe, I don't know if advice is the right word or just perspective to use your word on, yeah. on how you've gotten there? Um, I, I think from just creating content for social media, at least in my experience, I've seen that the attention span now of people are, is really short, really short. So, it, you know, even though, yes, I want to make a 10 minute feature, maybe you got to take a step back and say, okay, does the story really warrant a 10 minute feature? Maybe it's a one minute, um, vignette, maybe it's, just a highlight of the game that has music underneath it and some cool sound effects. Mm -hmm. um, and also just paying attention to what your audience is interested in too on social media. Um, like what typically do are the fans interested in? Um, is there something going on on social media that maybe you can capitalize on and do a story on that way? Um, but in, even now, like when we produce stories, we think about, okay, here's a version for TV but uh, maybe there's a different way we can tell it on digital. Um, maybe we can make a podcast out of it. Maybe we can do a behind the scenes um, trailer on Instagram stories. I mean, there's so many different platforms that I think all the viewers on there have different likes and dislikes. That's just trying to figure out what, what makes the most sense. And I think over time, if you just pay attention and log on to the apps and see what people are liking what they're commenting on. You can kind of see like what what really makes the most sense. So I want to talk about um, the Sarah Thomas pre Super Bowl feature, which was absolutely incredible. Um, I obviously watched it at the time. I've rewatched it since. And talk about <laughs> inspiring people, you know, and then living in their heart. Like it definitely gives me the chills in a good way. Um, and she's so incredibly inspiring um, for everyone. Can you talk just kind of how that came about and the process that went into making it? And this might sound like a weird question, but why it did turn out so well. Yeah. Um, well, I remember on Twitter, I saw, I think it was actually from our channels. I saw that we had tweeted out that Sarah was going to make history as being the first woman to ref in a Super Bowl. And it got me thinking, okay, there's definitely a timeline here. Obviously, there's been plenty of trailblazers before. But in the last, I want to say eight or 10 months, it really was Sarah Fuller, uh, the Marlins GM, um, Kamala Harris, like it was a pretty distinct timeline. I'm like, there's something there's something here, there's something that's really going on. Um, so I had to pitch an idea to do actually a feature on her. Originally, I thought it was going to be 
a three to four minute profile piece. Um, but then it kind of changed into, you know what, let's, let's do a specialty shoot with a little girl, see, you know, if we can get the visuals of a little girl watching all of these trailblazers, I think the visuals probably makes the most sense to inspire and really hits home instead of, you know, doing an interview with Sarah and having her talk about herself, which would, could have been great too. But I think to really inspire, I think the visuals were super important. Um, and I also felt, you know, how are we going to do this? Because we're in a pandemic, we're in COVID times, things have definitely changed on how we produce things. Um, so we only had a week and a half to do a video like this. Wow. Um, definitely a challenge, but I think we all rose to the occasion and we made sure that we did the piece some justice. Um, but everyone worked really well together. You know, I had great managers to help collaborate with, with the vision. Um, the DP that I hired had a great um, eye too that brought a different perspective that I wasn't thinking of. And interestingly enough, the little girl that was in the piece uh, was actually the daughter of one of our managers in our group. Oh, wow. Um, so it was kind of cool like to kind of bring everybody together and obviously in a safe, socially distant space. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it turned out what I originally thought it was going to be. It turned out to be way different. Um, and yeah, actually, it still gives me goosebumps sometimes when I watch it too. It was pretty cool. And Sarah Fuller narrated it, correct? Yeah, uh, we approached her and she was very excited about it. I thought she did a great job. I actually joked to her, I think you may have a career here um, because... <laughs> Typically, like when you're working with people that don't do voiceovers, you have to coach them up. But she was pretty good. Uh, I thought she great. did a great. Yeah, I thought she did a great job, and it was great too. Just having her tie in the fact that you know she made history as well. You know, being a female kicker in a college football game was was neat. So you've said a minute ago that you know there are people who brought a different perspective. And so how do you balance that when you're producing a piece where you're like, this is my vision and this is what I want to do, and someone comes in and says, well. I have a suggestion here. Like, where's that line of either saying, like, I really want to stick with my perspective, but listening and then sometimes taking in a different viewpoint? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think that I've learned now that I've just gotten older that your vision, you may think your vision is great in your head, and it probably is. Mm -hmm. But I think if you can really be open to just at least listening to what people have to say, it can really change the vision in a way that, wow, I really didn't see it that way. Now, sometimes I think it's easier said than done. If you get really glued to something and really attached, you know, you could feel like you're being attacked here. Like, this is my vision. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, but I think just over time, if you can just at least listen, it doesn't, you don't have to necessarily go with what they're saying, right? Um, you can say, you know, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I think this is the way I want to go because ultimately you're the producer in charge. Mm -hmm. So um, that's an option. But I at least try to listen and at least see hear what they have to say. And sometimes they may say one thing and then the wheels may turn in my head. Oh, that's great. Actually, let's take that idea and let's do this. Mm -hmm. And then it ultimately changes into something that way. Um, but I think there are a lot of chefs in the kitchen, um, usually in a lot of pieces that we do. And... Um, yeah, it's really just goes back to just listening um, and just making sure that, you know, everyone is heard because I think also, too, you want to look like that you have good communication skills and that you're able to work with a team because mm -hmm. if you can prove that you can work with a team, I think they can get you pretty far. And actually along those lines, um, looking back, you know, earlier in your career when you were not the producer, because this podcast is for women working in sports, women who love sports, women who want to work in sports. Yeah. What kind of advice would you have for being the person that comes in to say, 
I love your vision. I have an idea without feeling like you're attacking. Does that make sense? It does. Um, Usually when I suggest an idea, I usually first start off with, hey, I love this. I love this part of your idea. Mm -hmm. Um, It made me think of this. And it's more so offering a suggestion instead of being like, hey, I think you should do this. Mm -hmm. It's really about, I think, choosing the words, um, your word choice on how you approach somebody. Because um, again, I'm I'm conveying the same meaning or the same thought, but if you have a different word choice, it can come across totally different. And even now with COVID, since we're all working from home, emails, right? The tone of Mm -hmm. an email. Oh, and the words that you're using, uh, I'll be honest, like I'll rewrite like five different emails. because I'm like, oh, actually, that sounds like I'm coming across this way. Like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, really word choice nowadays has been huge for that kind of stuff. So speaking of COVID, it's obviously been a very different time. We're coming up on a year, which is unbelievable. <laughs> and it's been a challenging year in a number of different ways. Yes. In the very beginning I'm going to rephrase that. What were the challenges in the very beginning and how have they changed now? Because now I feel like a lot, in a lot of ways we've all adjusted. Um, and then I think the next part of that is what are some changes that you think you'll, will take into the post COVID world? Yeah. Uh, well, interestingly enough, um, I started at ESPN right when the pandemic hit. Okay. So oh, wow. I still haven't been to the office. I have no idea where my desk is. Um, so- <laughs> I've met my two bosses in person, uh, maybe one coworker in person, and that's it. Uh, Amazing. We're coming up on a year of of uh, working in my apartment in my little box here, um, <laughs> and it's kind of wild to think in two months it'll be a year of doing this. Um, <laughs> so I, I always kind of joke, like when I watch the uh, ESPN um, NBA NBA draft shows or the NFL draft last year, I saw the drone shot of campus and like, wow, it looks so nice. (laughs) It's like inside. I mean, I can't wait to get on campus. Um, So when that day comes, I'm going to be so ecstatic. Um, But going back to your question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really trying to be 10 steps ahead of Mm -hmm. uh, what you're producing because um if you kind of wait till last minute, there's a good chance that probably it's not going to get done because there's just so much more now procedures and logistics and things that you have to take in consideration and you have to make sure that you have like 10 different backup plans now. Mm-hmm. Um, and before COVID, like you should have a backup plan anyway, but now it's like really trying to think of a backup plan um, and even just getting creative. Like if we can't send a camera out to interview somebody um and it's just a zoom interview how can you upgrade the zoom interview like maybe it's now making a a graphics package to make the interview look more appealing maybe it's Mm -hmm. focusing more on the the sound design than it is the visuals um so it's really tapping into um how can you make this piece better when you're not given anything to work with um which actually i think is kind of cool because i think our stuff i think people's work that I've seen, it's, it looks different. There's a different feel to it now. Cause I think people are really forced to think outside the box now and do stuff differently that we haven't seen before. Do you think for you, it's made you a better producer and will make you a better producer in the future? 
Ooh, uh, I'm not a very patient person. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the pandemic has really taught me to be patient um, and also realize that I had a hope, let's say I had a hope for a piece and it didn't turn out the way that it was supposed to, you know, not to be very hard on myself as a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard for me to let go of a piece, but you know what? We're in a pandemic and if this is how it's going to be, that's this is the best job I could do at the time with the resources that I have. You just kind of have to roll with it and then be flexible and then let, let it go. Um, and I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned, I think, during the, the pandemic is just being patient and just trying to go with the flow and letting things go. Can you think of a project, whether during the pandemic or before, that you were excited about that didn't work out uh, and kind of what you learned from that experience? Oh, yeah. Um, There was a project one time where I thought I hit the jackpot on a story (laughs) and I was pumped and I thought we were going to get all these unseen documents, uh, see some storylines or hear some anecdotes about a certain situation. I'm like, this is going to be great. I mean, this is going to go viral. This is going to be amazing. And then it turned out um, the interview was not so great. and then obviously that was the the main interview of the story. So now you, after the shoot's over, you're thinking, oh shoot, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. Um, so credit to my manager, cause I actually wasn't thinking of it. Um, he was saying, you know, I don't, I think we can still repurpose this, but again, it's, it's not the vision that we had anticipated. So it ended up being like a 45 second vignette. Um, so instead of like doing a longer form, it was just a really shorter piece. Um, it still was impactful. It still worked. It still told a story, but just in a shorter format. Um, and I think I kind of learned from that, that um, everything is definitely usable. It's just trying to think of how you can use it. Like, yeah, I, it wasn't the vision I wanted instead of saying, okay, you know what, let's, I don't know what to do with this and throw my hands up and panic. It's trying to think, hey, okay, there's definitely a way we can use this and how. So I think even though it doesn't work out, there's probably always a solution to how you can still at least salvage, you know, some of that interview to make it into something different. That's a, that's really good advice actually generally. And that's a good perspective because oftentimes things don't exactly work out how we want them to, but it doesn't have to be wasted time or wasted resources. It can be used elsewhere. So yeah, I like that. I agree. Um, so when you were first starting out or maybe a week ago. Has there been, <laughs> you, you get to choose. Has there been, and I ask everybody this question uh, mm-hmm. and I love the answers because we learn a lot through it. Is there been a criticism you received that was tough to take, but made you better at your job or made you even just as a better person? Oh yeah. Uh, Maybe not a better person, but you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I got you. Don't worry. Um, this criticism, I actually think about every day. I know that sounds crazy and that sounds wild, but because it really struck a chord for me, mm-hmm. I could tell you where I was, what I was wearing, who said it. Um, yeah, it's pretty much ingrained in my mind. Um, I'll spare the deep, the nitty gritties, but um, basically I was told that I was just another person who worked in sports and I was a part of the sports uh, assembly line, if you will, and that I didn't have the it factor. Um, and I remember sitting on the couch at one of my jobs And as this is sinking in, I'm like, well, um, 
this isn't good because ever since I was a little girl, I mean, this was my hobby. This was my dream, my passion. And now there's somebody telling me that I'm not good enough. Well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And then you have all these self-doubts and then your confidence is lowered. Um, and it's like, you want to hit the eject button and mm-hmm. like panic alarms going off. Um, and then I just remember taking a couple days to really think about what was said to me. Um, and then I just said, you know what, I, this is a passion of mine and I, I just can't, I got to block that out. I, I think I can really do this. Like that's one person's perspective. That's one person's opinion. Um, you know, I think I still want to give this a go. Um, and it also took some encouragement from, you know, my parents and also some friends and family being like, they're, you're just starting out, you know, don't, don't give up on yourself yet. Um, and I, I, I still remember that comment because there are some times now where things get really tough. And I think even just with the pandemic, the mental health side, um, when you're working from home and you're by yourself, you're sitting in your thoughts mm-hmm. constantly and you, it's very easy to self-doubt yourself right now, at least for me, like I'll be sitting here and I'm like, man, I haven't thought of a good idea in like two weeks or something wrong with me, or I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I'm not this. Um, but then I go back to what was said and I look at what I've accomplished. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? No, I, I got this. Um, but I think it's also just being compassionate and easy on yourself too. Um, and just rising, rising to the occasion. And would you say like, if, if you were that person talking to you at that time, um, I mean, is, does, do people have, to, I mean, obviously it had an effect on you and, and it, in some ways it sounds like it, your confidence got better because you thought about what you can do and what you want to do and your family and, and friends helped you in that way. But you know, that, that may not be the case for everybody. And that's a pretty, really frankly, not nice thing to say to somebody. So is there a way to say to somebody, Hey, I know this is what you want to do. I think for you to succeed and get better, here are some things you need to improve on. Yeah. I think if that, if it was phrased to me that way, I probably wouldn't have gotten, like, I felt like I was being attacked or that I was Mm -hmm. being stomped on. Mm -hmm. Um, And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? Your word choice on how you say things to people, like the words really affect people. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think if that would have happened, you know, and that person would have said that maybe I would have realized, okay, there's so many different avenues of working in sports maybe the job I was at at the time when that comment was made, maybe that was just a sign saying, hey, this job probably just isn't for you, but maybe you can excel at other jobs working in sports. Um, there's so many different different places and different roles that you know may fit somebody better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just going back to working all the different past jobs, you know, I realized, you know what, this job's not for me. Like working live TV was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't really fit my... Um, the way I do things or the way I, I see things. And also the, uh, the fast paced adrenaline rush was not for me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think if I would have been sitting there now and I would have heard, like you said, phrasing it back to, um, Hey, this is where you can improve. I think it would have made a world of difference, but to that, to this, the other side, the devil's advocate side, because that comment was made, it kind of keeps me in check. Like I have a fire, a little bit of fire under me. Uh, sometimes where like, I really feel like I, I got to dig deep and really push through. I kind of think back to that time and I, I get fired up. I'm like, let's go. Like, come on, like you can do this. 
So I don't know. It's kind of 50-50. It, it kind of also has helped me keep keep focused and keep perspective sometimes. How do you give criticism? Constructive Ooh. criticism where needed. Um, well, in the position I'm in now, I, I don't really give feedback on um, – like other people's work. But a lot of times, like if I go back to my high school or people reach out to me on social media mm-hmm. and they say, Hey, I, I would love to get your advice or perspective on this. Um, typically what I like to do is I'll start with the positives. Cause I think the, the first words that you use for anything are the first words that people read. And then you don't want to turn somebody off or shut or feel like you're shutting them out or you're coming across negative. So typically I'll start with the positives, like, Hey, I loved your music choice here. Hey, this was great. The way you um, edited this soundbite in with this transition. Um, And then I'll usually say, you know, here are some things I noticed that maybe like, did you consider doing this? Did you consider doing that? Or, Hey, when you were um, choosing this soundbite or when you were interviewing this person, um, were you thinking about asking this question? Like, I don't want to come across like that I'm saying, hey, this was wrong and this is what you should have done because I think it's so subjective what we do. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different viewpoint and a different feeling uh, for a piece. So I don't have all the answers, right? I, I've been blessed to have a career that I have, but I'm not guru. I'm not Yoda. I don't, <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, whatever I do, I, I, I'm not the know all be all. So I just try to at least give my perspective and just, if I can help somebody think of a different way of how to do something, maybe it'll inspire them to try something different or open their eyes to something new. If you could give our listeners a piece of advice for starting a career in your field, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, I would definitely say, Try to literally learn every skill you can while you can, Um, because what I'm seeing, at least from observing the industry now, people want to hire somebody that knows how to do everything. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a one man band situation. Um, Somebody wants to, you know, see somebody and say, wow, this person can shoot. This person can edit. This person can produce. Um, They understand how social media works. Um, they are comfortable with conducting interviews and they have good people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can be a well-rounded person, I mean, that's a win-win because if, if an assignment comes up or even an assignment in any field, you have like all these skill sets at your advantage and you're way much more powerful um, of being a producer or whether that's in PR, I mean, any aspect mm-hmm. of sports. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is I've just it's helped me become better producer just by having all those different skill sets. How have you seen opportunities grow and change for women in sports and how do you think we can still improve? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, thinking back to when I was in high school till now, there's definitely been a lot more women in the behind the scenes roles that I've seen Mm -hmm. from camera operators to producers to editors. Um, But the one area where I feel like I haven't seen a ton of improvement is the leadership role. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really hope that does change one day. And I say that because when, um, leadership is giving like feedback on a piece, um, and let's say you have, uh, there's no females in the room, but it's mostly male dominant. Um, it's all coming from a male perspective when you're, Mm -hmm. you have feedback, there's no female perspective in the room. So I think that really can definitely change a piece 
um, because you're not seeing it from a different viewpoint or perspective. Um, so that's one thing that I hope changes. And I also hope too, that women that are listening and, and women that are in the industry, like if we just got to stick together, I don't know. I'm pretty, I feel like we, if we can stick together and we network and we support each other and encourage each other, you know, I think things can change, but I don't want women to shy away, uh, from being in the industry either. Um, mm -hmm. just because we don't see a lot of women does not mean that you can't do it. Um, it's just that, you know, there probably are some more barriers, unfortunately, that we have to cross, but it is, it is possible and it is doable. And I think if more women just support other women, I think we can probably get things changed a lot quicker. I agree. And that's something we talk about on this podcast a lot of the women supporting women, um, that not, not to be competitive with each other, but <laughs> supportive of each yes. other. There's healthy competition, of course, but I you know, it, yeah. supportive of each other and the not the not tearing down, <laughs> I think is really, you know, really important. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, have you had a mentor in your career? I did. Um, I, uh, gee, it was like right in the beginning of my career. Um, I remember when I first started out, uh, the advice that was given to me was, Hey, watch a couple videos, um, of the people that have produced things here, see what sticks out to you. Mm -hmm. and see what you can learn. So I remember I watched this one video and I was like this, this is exactly the type of storyteller I want to be. This is how I want to produce my stories. I'm going to just pick this person as my mentor and I'm just going to make it a point to introduce myself and see what comes of it. Uh, so I introduced myself to this person and uh, right off the bat, um, the producer was super kind and took me under my wing and really taught me just the little things of how to make a story different. Um, and the fact that because this person was so busy all the time, still made time to teach me things and to also boost my confidence at the same time, you know, really resonated with me. Um, and I remember the one piece of advice this person gave me was how do you want to be remembered as a storyteller and what do you want to say? Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a good point. What, what do I want to say? And the other side of that was approach sports producing like you're a filmmaker. Um, because if you approach it from a filmmaking side, you're really tapping into that emotion. And it's not just like, hey, here's a couple sound bites, here's some music. Let's just throw it together and, and and call it a day. You know, if you really take the time to find the best shots, whether that means you're spending three days deep diving into the archives, whether you're taking a whole day to listen to music, if you really take the time to make the little things the best things, mm -hmm. that's what really makes pieces stand out. Um, but because that person was willing to give so much of their time to me, um, I do try to pay it forward because I just realized how much of an impact it made on me mm -hmm. that this person really, you know, cared and, and really decided, you know what? Yeah, it's competitive, but I'm going to teach her a couple tricks that I have in my bag and, you know, see how she rolls with it. Um, you know, and, and everyone still has a job and everyone still has opportunities and everything's great. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like a dog eat dog eat world out there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, incredibly thankful to have, mentors. And I feel like not just that one person, but you'll come across a bunch of different people. I feel like, um, from job to job, uh, mentor wise, 
Um, and also just being open to what they have to say. Again, going back to the criticism, like if your mentor says something, um, they're not trying to change you. They're just trying to offer a suggestion on, hey, this could be better. Could you take us through a day in the life of Alex Nolan? Oh, boy. Uh, well, if you asked me this question two years ago, it would have been a lot different. Right. <laughs> um, fair. Fair. Now, um, because I'm working from home, um, literally it is uh, five steps from my bed to my desk and then five steps from my desk to my bed. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, you know, I, I do have a nice size apartment, but I, I do joke about that. Um, but typically every day is, has been different. There's, there really hasn't been a set routine yet mm -hmm. for me. Um, but typically it could be, Hey, today I'm going to spend all day looking up stories online and I'm going to research potential storylines for an upcoming future. Um, today I could be producing a story by hopping on a zoom call to interview somebody. Um, I could be on the phone with my manager or a camera operator talking about the vision of what I think we want to do when we're getting ready for a shoot. Uh, it could be I'm editing on my laptop to get a piece ready for air. Um, it's a bunch of different um, things, but I think most importantly, I've tried at least to keep an hour in my day to myself now that we're kind of stuck at home. So I've been making sure that, okay, here's my hour to myself. Uh, what am I going to do with it? And typically I love food. My nickname mm -hmm. is snacks. So I'm constantly, <laughs> I'm constantly eating. Um, so I try to use that hour to make uh, a really nice dinner for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and cooking has been kind of therapeutic for me now, trying different recipes and putting on some music. Um, and then if I'm really lucky, I'll have time to do a workout um, to kind of wound down. But that's been kind of hard for me to make time because I get so wrapped up in work because I love working that uh, sometimes it's hard to separate the work from the personal for me. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting. That is for sure. But it's been fun too. You learn new things about yourself, right? Because you're basically living with yourself now. And you're not really seeing a lot of people. So it's been uh, definitely one for the history books. That's, that's for sure. Do you have a favorite recipe you've discovered? Ooh. Um, Favorite recipe, man, that's a tough question because I love cooking. Uh, or maybe yeah. a go-to. Yeah, um, there is a dessert, and of course it's Lent right now, so I gave up desserts. So it's this oh, is going to no. be a tough period for me. Glad <laughs> I'm getting you early on. <laughs> um, I typically like to make, um, gosh, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's kind of like puppy chow. If you've ever heard of puppy chow, um, mm. it is peanut butter, uh, cocoa. Um, chocolate chip cookies, uh, a little bit of almond flour, and some maple syrup. Mm. Mix that all together, and it's kind of like this peanut butter chocolate brownie batter. And it's it's uh, kind of, in my opinion, healthy because you're not adding a bunch of other stuff that typically you would you would add in for um, a cake or a cookie, things like that. I've been trying to at least be healthy since I'm sitting at a desk all day now. Uh, Fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, that's probably been that's probably been my go-to uh, dessert-wise. Um, but like I said, it's forty days now of no desserts, so we will see if I hold out. Yeah, good. I wish you the best of luck with that. everything we've discussed today. I wish you by far the best of luck with that because that sounds by far the most challenging. Yeah, food has really gotten me through uh, this pandemic. So um, 
yeah, I'm going to have to find a solution to to that. Maybe it's more potato chips. I don't know. That's not a dessert. Something that's Something. still savory. <laughs> Did you have um, dark chocolate over 70%? Could you talk yourself into feeling like that's not really dessert? Yes, it's great. It's great. You know that. Um, I, well, because I do that. I give up sugar for periods of time and like, except I'm having dark chocolate over 70%. Right. And if you have a couple more pieces than you're supposed to, you just tell yourself, this is healthy chocolate. I'm good. Antioxidants. Yeah. You're doing something really good for yourself. Right. You are welcome. <laughs> so we solved that. Yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome. Uh, I've had a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, but of course, before I let you go, we have to do five fun facts. And Woo! everybody who listens to this podcast knows this is something I do with the 49ers players one on one on my iPhone or most recently on Zoom. But on this podcast, they get to pick out their five fun facts. But on this podcast, we have rules. And no, I'm just kidding. But on this podcast, every week, I ask everybody the same five facts. And it's been great because I was going to say it's been fun, but that felt redundant. But it's been great because there are so many different answers. So. Without further ado, we have five fun facts with Alex Nolan. All right, Alex, what is your favorite moment in sports? Uh, hands down has to be when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I was lucky enough to be at that game uh, when I was working for Sports Illustrated at the time. And um, probably one of the greatest moments I'll ever experience. We got to be in the locker room post-game. Uh and I just remember there was champagne flying everywhere. And I'm like trying to record video for like Twitter and Instagram. Meanwhile, I'm trying to celebrate, but then I also have to take a step back and be like, no, 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 I'm here to work, not celebrate. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, just being able to be a part of that with the team was pretty cool. What is your life motto? Oh, um, it's going to be cheesy. So I apologize. Um, fine. <laughs> But I, I typically like to uh, live by um, do what you love and never work another day in your life. I really I like it. I really do believe that because if you can really find something that you love, it really doesn't feel like work. I agree with that. Do you have a go-to workout on those days you can do it? I do. Um, I've actually been really getting into Bikram yoga. Um, I know right now it's a little wearisome with COVID, but if you wear a mask, you're good to go. But mm -hmm. it's been great. Uh, you sweat out all the toxins and there's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess when you run, like you have that endorphin, um, hit when you run, but with Bikram yoga, there's this huge like sense of clarity at the end. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's from the heat and just sweating everything out, but for me, it's, it's almost addictive. I try to do it at least twice a week. Um, nice. but then obviously you get really stiff. So I've been trying to foam roll too. Uh, oh, smart. trying to keep my body. Yeah. In shape. Foam rolling is painful. <laughs> It is painful. Yes. It's so painful. It's so good for you, but it's so painful. Yeah. Uh, do you have a go-to coffee order? Uh, I do. I'm actually drinking coffee right now. Uh, I love coffee so much. Uh, I usually do iced coffee with a little bit of almond milk um, in the afternoon. And then in the morning, I actually brew my own coffee. Um, I use the coffee bulletproof. Um, it's considered clean coffee. Um, I don't know what that means. I haven't researched into it, but when I saw clean coffee, I'm like, this sounds healthy. I'll give it a try. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a marketing, I'm like a sucker for marketing. So I do that. I see, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm into the chocolate, the 70% chocolate. Yeah. Health food, yeah. obviously. So I totally, I put collagen, um, protein powder in my coffee every morning uh -huh. and I'm like, I'm doing something really good for myself here. My hair, skin and nails. Thank me. Yeah. The healthy you know, thing I've done. 
what's also healthy, not to get on a coffee tangent, but uh, I love coffee. We can tangent all day. (laughs) MCT oil. Have you ever heard of that before? I've heard of it, but I've never put it in my coffee. Yeah. So I put that in my coffee that apparently has some brain, uh, some brain powers there to keep your brain healthy, um, an extra boost of energy. So if anyone sounds important, I recommend putting some MCT oil in your coffee. (laughs) All right. I'm actually, I'm writing that down MCT oil and I'm going to do that and be like, I'm so healthy. Wake up in the morning. Like I'm so healthy. If MCT oil, I have collagen. I also have half and half in here, but it's been counteracted with my healthiness. (laughs) Um, And my last one is a book every woman should read. Yeah. Going off of the brain, uh, superfoods. I, and this is an odd book maybe, but I really love the book, um, How to Feed a Brain um, by Calvin Ballister. Um, I've really learned that because of the long hours that working in sports that come with the territory, it's so important to keep your body in check and to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this book is really about keeping your brain and at the optimum level. What what are some foods that maybe are better for your brain? How to avoid inflammation? I, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but reading the book, I was like, wow, this makes sense. So I tried it and I've actually seen a really big improvement um, just on my energy levels and how I feel. It's um, awesome. It's been great. Fantastic. Thank you, Alex. This has been awesome. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully um, people listening found it interesting. Um, And if anybody listening, you know, wants to network or connect, um, sure you can find me on on Twitter and Instagram at Snacks Nolan. Absolutely. And we will make sure to tag you so they will be able to find you as well. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. And I know you guys love what you heard. So please make sure to leave us a five-star review and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Talk to everybody next week. Bye, all Bye. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the first in tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First in tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First in tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.